Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 43 of The Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 125 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended April 6, 2019. Welcome! Another busy week and some very interesting happenings this week, which we're going to go through. A lot of stuff happened this week that got very little media attention. That was very not normal. We're going to touch on those. But the overarching story that continues to attract attention as we close out two weeks after the Mueller report has been delivered to Attorney General Barr is this week members of the special counsel anonymously broke their silence, indicating to the Washington Post and the New York Times that their findings were more troubling than Barr's letter had indicated. The media as well started to correct the way they had been misreporting this and have stopped referring to the Mueller report and have referred to what Barr prepared as a letter. We now know it's not even a summary. That was a major story we're going to be talking about this week. It caused Trump to change his position on releasing the report and going to attack mode. Strangely, this week, the Republicans also served up several rebukes of Trump, not going along with him on closing the U.S.-Mexico border or on health care, and then voting against him on U.S. involvement in Yemen. We'll be talking about those stories. And Democrats are on the offense. We'll have a number of those stories to cover as well. So opening up with some overlay kind of stories. On Monday, the Washington Post reported Trump has made 9,451 false or misleading claims in his first 801 days in office. This is the part I, I always point people towards that's more important. In the last 200 days, Trump has made 22 false or misleading claims per day. That's up from 5.9 in his first year in office. In other words, folks, we're absorbing almost four times the number of lies per day that we were in Trump's first year. And many of us are feeling exhausted. Trying to decipher the facts and the truth can be very exhausting. Another interesting story, ratings by ePoll Market Research, which is a bellwether research company, showed that Trump is most often described as, quote, aggressive. 48% describe him as aggressive. 38% describe him as mean, and 29% describe him as overexposed. His strong positive appeal is at 14%, while his strong negative appeal is at 39%. Within the regime, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders scored 15% for trustworthy, and White House Counsel Kellyanne Conway scored 8% for trustworthy. Jared Kushner was most described as 29% said insincere, and 27% said creepy. (laughs) So that was a fun story. Other important story, NBC News reported that at least 14 major contributors to Trump's inaugural committee have been nominated to ambassador positions, although experts say they are less qualified than nominees in the past. There are still 52 vacant ambassadorships out of 250 in the Trump regime, including key countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar. After two years, Obama had just 11 unfilled and George W. Bush had just 15. So now let's get into the week. 
We started the week Saturday. Good news, Janine Pierro's back after her two-week suspension. Yahoo! Uh, and she went on the attack against Trump's accusers, who she said have a, quote, blueprint for a future effort to overthrow the government, adding they should face time behind bars. This is an important theme, folks, the whole deep state. Trump is being overthrown. The elections aren't going to be fair. Trump is getting treated unfairly by the institutions. It's part of taking away the trust in the institutions that have been in our country. On Sunday, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney told this week that Robert Mueller intended to have Attorney General William Barr determine whether Trump obstructed justice. On Sunday, an NBC Wall Street Journal poll found 40% of Americans do not believe Trump has been cleared of wrongdoing in the Mueller probe, while 29% believe he has. On Sunday, Fox News host Chris Wallace pressed Kellyanne Conway about her repeated statements that Trump has been totally exonerated in the Mueller probe investigation. As she stammered, Wallace said, it's just not true. And then, because this is the time we're in, actor Jim Carrey tweeted, if you're wondering what fascism leads to, just ask Benito Mussolini and his mistress Claretta, along with a cartoon of the two being hanged upside down after they were executed in 1945. On Sunday, Alessandra Mussolini, Benito's granddaughter, a far-right politician, tweeted in response to Carrey, you are a bastard. So that happened. Also on Sunday, hundreds of Polish nationalists protested in New York over U.S. legislation that compensates Holocaust survivors whose property was seized during World War II. Some protesters chanted, stop slandering Poland in the media and treat anti-Polandism like anti-Semitism, while others perpetuated anti-Semitic stereotypes and denied the Holocaust existed, calling it a hoax. On Monday, Israeli researchers said they found a network of hundreds of fake Twitter accounts that reached more than 2.5 million Israelis, boosting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu ahead of next week's election. On Sunday, Fox News apologized after a cry-on on Fox and Friends segment that read, quote, Trump cunts aid to three Mexican countries. On Monday, as we got into the week, AP reported that as Trump has threatened to shut down the U.S. border with Mexico, he is considering bringing in an immigration czar to coordinate policy between federal agencies. Trump is considering former Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach and former Virginia Attorney General Kevin Kusnelli for the position. Kobach, as you'll remember from this podcast, was also the leader of Trump's short-lived election fraud commission that found nothing and turned out to be fraud itself. On Sunday, Axios reported Trump has told confidants that he is, quote, saving Judge Amy Barrett, who's young and viewed as an extremist, to replace Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And now we're going to talk about Trump's ongoing who-knows-what with Puerto Rico. On Monday, after summer, Senate Democrats voted down a disaster relief package for Puerto Rico, saying there was not enough money. Trump blamed Puerto Rican politicians in a tweet, calling them, quote, incompetent or corrupt. Trump again cited an incorrect number, tweeting $91 billion to Puerto Rico, falsely claiming it was, quote, more than Texas and Florida combined and taking away dollars from our farmers. On Tuesday, Trump again lashed out, falsely claiming in a tweet, quote, Puerto Rico got $91 billion, adding all their local politicians do is complain and ask for money. 
The polls are grossly incompetent. That's, I guess, his short for politicians. Trump also tweeted that Puerto Ricans, quote, only take from the U.S., seeming to indicate Trump didn't realize Puerto Rico was part of the USA. Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Roselli Rosello responded to Trump tweeting, quote, this place you refer to, Puerto Rico, is home to over 3 million proud Americans. On Tuesday, Press Secretary Hogan Gidley referred to Puerto Rico as, quote, that country. In an interview on MSNBC, when the host clarified Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, Gidley said it was a, quote, slip of the tongue. On Friday, this might sound similar to you, Trump attacked California politicians for wildfire funding, saying California is always the first to complain. So California and Puerto Rico uh, do a lot of complaining, apparently. Trump said, I don't mean the people of California. They're fantastic. I'm talking about the politicians. And now on to everyday racism, sexism, homophobia, the whole slew. On Monday, Fox News host Tucker Carlson mocked MSNBC host Chris Hayes' masculinity on his show, saying Hayes, quote, is what every man would be if feminists ever achieved absolute power in this country. I guess that's a bad thing. On Tuesday, a gas station clerk in San Jose, California, was fired after ranting at a woman speaking Spanish, demanding she prove she was a U.S. citizen, and saying, quote, Trump needs to hurry up and build that wall. So if you don't think his people are listening, they're listening. On Wednesday, immigration and customs enforcement agents arrested 280 workers at CVE Technology Group in Allen, Texas, and what authorities say is one of the largest enforcement actions of its kind in a decade. So just notice all these things that are happening, Trump attacking Puerto Rico, threatening to close the border, taking away aid to three countries in Central America, all of a sudden the largest raid that we've had by ICE in a decade. Sounds like a distraction, and you're going to understand why as we go through this week. On Tuesday, the Daily Beast reported the Department of Homeland Security disbanded a group of intelligence analysts who were part of the Office of Intelligence and Analysis that focused on domestic terrorists. Numerous current and former DHS officials expressed concern with the move, citing the growing threat from homegrown violence, extremists, and domestic terrorists. Intelligence and analysis has been quietly cutting staff since last year. Pair that with this story. On Thursday, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the House Appropriations Committee and broke from Trump, saying white supremacy presents a persistent and pervasive threat to the U.S. Wray said, quote, The danger, I think, of white supremacists, violent extremists, and other kinds of violent extremism is, of course, significant. Trump has downplayed the danger of white nationalism repeatedly. On Thursday, BuzzFeed reported... Attorney General William Barr said in a letter that he was, quote, troubled by the concerns raised by a group of LGBTQ employees who complained about discrimination at the DOJ and ordered an investigation. The group claimed employees have faced increased discrimination under the Trump regime, including gay FBI agents at the academy being pushed out, leading to a decline in morale and an exodus of staff. On Thursday, 157 House Republicans voted against reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act. That's almost every Republican, folks, which did pass. 
Uh, they also managed to boo Representative Debbie Dingell during a debate on the House floor as she spoke for the bill. The National Rifle Association pressured Republican lawmakers to oppose the bill because it adds a provision that people convicted, note that, convicted, of abusing their dating partners could not own or buy firearms. Somehow, the NRA views that as not a good thing. On Tuesday, the Alabama House and Senate introduced a bill that would make performing an abortion a Class A felony and attempting to perform an abortion a Class C felony. Not to be outdone, on Friday, Kansas Republicans passed an abortion reversal bill requiring notice to patients that abortions can be reversed, despite the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists discrediting this view. On Friday, the Acadiana Advocate reported three historically black churches have burned down in 10 days in St. Landry Parish, Louisiana, in what officials called very suspicious fires. On Saturday, Patrick Carliano of Addison, New York, was arrested after making a threatening call to Representative Ilhan Omar's office, telling her staffer, quote, she's an expletive terrorist, I'll put a bullet in her expletive skull. Now on to some happenings within the regime and some checks and balances by the judicial system, thankfully. Alaska U.S. District Court Judge Sharon Gleason ruled that the Trump regime's 2017 executive order lifting an Obama-era ban on oil and gas drilling in the Arctic Ocean and parts of the North Atlantic coast was unlawful. Judge Gleason said the ban will remain in effect, quote, unless and until revoked by Congress. In other words, this is something Congress should be doing, not Trump with executive orders. The ruling may have broader implications for the regime's efforts to open drilling on coastlines and public lands, some of which has been closed for half a century. On Tuesday, McClatchy reported the Trump 2020 campaign is seeking a list of, quote, climate change victories that can be attributed to Trump as polls show growing concern over global warming. White House officials have liaised with the EPA on behalf of the campaign. For one, the regime plans to argue greenhouse gas emissions decreased in Trump's first year in office due to private sector innovation. The regime is still divided on creating a presidential commission on climate security since results would be made public. Trump continues to question the science behind climate change, while others in his regime disagree. Okay, so we have a leader who does not believe in climate change. There we are, folks. That's how big the gulf is. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported the Trump regime will cut federal inspectors for food safety inspection at hog plants by about 40% and shift much of the power and responsibility to the pork industry to police themselves. Okay, someone's making a big donation or made a big donation to somebody in their Trump's campaign or inauguration or who knows how this came about. The proposed new system, scheduled to start in May, would allow plant owners to use plant employees for inspections without training or with training at the owner's discretion. Also, there will be no limits on slaughter line speeds. On Wednesday, a coalition of Democratic attorney generals filed a lawsuit seeking to stop the rollback of school nutrition policies championed by First Lady Michelle Obama for, quote, illegally weakening standards. 
On Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell failed to adopt a resolution to change the rules that so that non-cabinet level and district court judicial nominees could face just two hours of floor debate instead of 30. The Senate did vote on McConnell's measure. It would have needed 60 to pass. He got 51 votes, which are basically most of the Republicans. On Wednesday, however, Leader McConnell used a nuclear option for the afternoon and evening sessions only, which required only votes of 51, only votes of 50 or greater. And the Senate voted 50 to 48 and used it to push through confirmations for some positions that day. On Thursday, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a controversial bill in private without any advance notice, replacing the state's voting machines with touchscreens, which Democrats warned they make the system more vulnerable to hacking. On Monday, U.S. District Court Judge Beryl Howell rejected a request by Reporters Committee for Freedom of information to unseal records relating to this mystery foreign state-owned company in the Mueller case. We still don't know anything about that other than the Supreme Court last week turned down their appeal or went here their appeal. On Monday, BuzzFeed reported Judge T.S. Ellis, that's the judge who presided over Paul Manafort's case in Alexandria, will not face disciplinary action over four ethics complaints related to his treatment of Mueller's team. We know how that sentencing went, however. On Tuesday, CNN reported that George Soriel, who in 2017 has served as Trump's organization top compliance official and has been with the company since 2007, is stepping down to write a book. On Monday, House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler said he plans to bring subpoenas to the full to get the full Mueller report to committee and will vote on those on Wednesday if Barr does not release the report by Tuesday's deadline, April 2nd. On Monday, Representative Nadler also wrote an op-ed criticizing Barr's decision to unilaterally withhold parts of the Mueller report from Congress and to render judgment on whether Trump obstructed justice. On Wednesday, the House Judiciary Committee voted 24-17 along party lines to authorize subpoenas for the full Mueller report and underlying documents. They have not been served yet, however. The committee also voted to subpoena five former White House officials they believe may have received documents relevant to the Mueller probe, including Don McGahn, Steve Bannon, Hope Hicks, and Reince Priebus, all names that you recognize. The fifth is McGahn's former deputy attorney, Ann Donaldson. All of the five were among the 81 individuals we talked about a few weeks ago, who were sent document requests by Nadler last month. On Tuesday, Trump reversed course on calling for the public release of the Mueller report, tweeting about a segment on Fox News saying that for, for the Democrats, all in cap letters, quote, nothing will ever satisfy them. Trump also tweeted, quote, Robert Mueller was a godlike figure to the Democrats until he ruled no collusion. Any Democrat, Democrats, quote, have become totally unhinged and would like to go through the whole process again, that being, I guess, the Mueller probe. No, actually, we don't want to go through it again. We just want to see the results from the first one. Trump also tweeted, there is no amount of information that will satisfy, quote, Jerry Nadler and shifty Adam Schiff, adding, quote, it is time to refocus exclusively on properly running our great country.
On Tuesday, in an interview on CNN, former FBI Director James Comey condemned Trump calling for a counter-investigation after the Mueller report on how the probe started, saying it creates a troubling precedent. When asked by host Christiana Amanpour whether he is kept awake at night by the possibility that Comey helped Trump win, he replied, quote, sure, and I hope someday somebody proves that what we did was irrelevant. I don't think that's ever happening. On Monday, in a series of tweets, Trump said, quote, the cost of Obamacare is far too high, adding, quote, good things are going to happen. He tagged four senators, Leader Mitch McConnell, Rick Scott, John Barrasso, and Bill Kennedy. Trump also tweeted that the Republicans, quote, are deeply, excuse me, are developing a really great health care plan with far lower premiums and deductibles in Obamacare, adding the replacement will come after the 2020 election. We're just going to take away your health care and then surprise you. On Tuesday, Mitch McConnell told reporters that he and Trump spoke Monday and he, quote, made it clear to him that Senate Republicans had no intention of trying to overhaul Obamacare ahead of the 2020 election. McConnell cited the political peril of the issue for Republicans in the midterms. The Trump regime is continuing, however, to push for the dismantling of the Affordable Care Act through the courts. On Tuesday, Trump told reporters he was, quote, 100% prepared to shut the U.S.-Mexico border, saying, quote, if we don't make a deal with Congress, the border is going to be closed. Trump said Democrats in Congress need to address immigration. Congress has, he said, quote, Congress has to meet quickly and make a deal, adding security is more important to me than trade. Trump said his decision to cut off aid to Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras last week. He said, quote, they don't do anything for us, adding they have been taking advantage of the U.S. for many years and they arrange these caravans. Of course, these are all lies and taking away aid will only result in more migrants heading north, but that's common sense. Around the same time, Leader McConnell told reporters, quote, closing down the border would have potentially catastrophic economic impact on our country, and I would hope we would not be doing that sort of thing. On Tuesday, at a White House event with NATO Security General John Stoltenberg, Trump falsely claimed that his father was born in Germany. This is the third time that Trump has made this claim. Fred Trump was actually born in New York. Trump also ranted threatening to, quote, get rid of immigration judges, chain migration, catch and release, and visa lottery, and added, quote, we have to do something about asylum, to be honest with you. Trump also, on three separate occasions, substituted the word oranges for origins, demanding to know the, quote, oranges of the investigation. Trump also stated out of the blue, I'm very normal. On Tuesday, Trump told House Republicans in a speech during the National Republican Congressional Committee's spring dinner to be, quote, a bit more paranoid than you are about vote counting. Trump also said, quote, there were a lot of close elections. They seem to every single one of them went to Democrats, adding, you don't like it either. You just don't want to say it because you're afraid of the press. Trump also falsely claimed that the noise from wind turbines causes cancer, as well as lowering property values, saying, quote, if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations, your house just went down. 
on Wednesday during an exchange with reporters on whether wind turbine noise causes cancer, because this is what we're discussing now. White House Director of Strategic Communications, Mercedes Schlapp, responded, I don't have an answer to that. The confusion on where his father was born, strange language, and the statement that he is normal caused some mental health professionals to question whether Trump is undergoing some kind of cognitive decline. On Thursday, Trump said he would delay closing the border with Mexico for a year, adding, quote, that will be a very powerful incentive and that he is not bluffing, quote, I will do it, I don't play games. So just out of nowhere, first was healthcare, then the border. On Thursday, Trump changed his mind, we're not closing the border after all. On Tuesday, according to a memo summarizing her testimony, and this is now we're gonna talk about a whistleblower, White House Personnel Security Office whistleblower, Trisha Newbold claimed that the White House reversed 25 security clearances that were denied. Newbold told Congress her last hope for addressing what she considers improper conduct that left the nation's security secrets exposed. She privately testified before the House Oversight Committee in March. There was a lot of brouhaha about this because she did it on a weekend. The Republicans complained. She explained that she was afraid of losing her job. Newbold said that 25 were granted access to national security information since 2018, despite allegations of foreign influence, conflicts of interest, questionable or criminal conduct, financial problems, or drug abuse. The 25 include Jared Kushner, Ivanka, and National Security Advisor John Bolton. They, again, those were all recommended to be turned down, and they were all overridden. Chair Elijah Cummings said his committee would vote to subpoena Carl Klein, Newbold's direct manager, who overruled who her clearance denials for these 25 people. Newbold had previously filed concerns with numerous White House officials before going to Congress, including Klein, which is her immediate uh, supervisor, as well as Samuel Price, the White House Counsel's Office, Assistant to the President Marsha Kelly, and Chief Security Officer Creed Bailey. None acted in to do anything about it or looked in to investigate it. Newbold, who has a rare, for, rare form of dwarfism, accused her boss Klein of retaliating, alleging he moved her files to a shelf several feet above her, out of her reach, beginning in December 2017 when she hired a lawyer. So that's what we're dealing with in this regime. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported that Jared Kushner is, quote, senior White House official one described in documents detailing Newbold's testimony to the House Oversight Committee. In her testimony, Newbold said she and another career employee denied Kushner's security clearance last year because he had too many, quote, significant disqualifying factors. They were overruled by Klein. On Tuesday, the House Oversight Committee voted 22 to 15 along party lines to subpoena Klein, who was a White House personnel security chief for the first two years of Trump's time in office. On Thursday, The Atlantic reported the number of whistleblowers in the era of Trump has spiked, thank God, with dozens inside the federal government cooperating with the House Oversight Committee. Whistleblowers started to come forward shortly after Trump took office in relation to Michael Flynn. Among the whistleblowers, Democrats confirmed a handful work at the White House. On Monday, Trump tweeted, quote, Can you believe that the radical left Democrats 
want to do the census report without a citizenship question, calling it, quote, meaningless and a waste of billions, ridiculous. On Monday, the newly installed U.S. Census Bureau Director Steve Dillingham refused to comment on the question, uh, whether it should be included, saying the Bureau must remain totally objective. On Tuesday, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross rejected a second invitation to testify before a House committee, the Appropriations Subcommittee, claiming it would be a distraction from the agency's budget discussion. On Tuesday, the House Oversight Committee voted 23-14 to subpoena Ross's records relating to the regime's declaration to add a citizenship question. Representative Cummings said the regime's stonewalling have left them no choice. So that's another action uh, by the House Democrats. On Friday, a third federal judge halted the Trump regime from adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census. In a 119-page opinion, U.S. District Judge George Hazel of Maryland called the question unlawful. The judge wrote, quote, the lack of any genuine need for a citizenship question and noted, quote, the mysterious and potentially improper political consideration that motivated it. And now another storyline that we've been covering for the last few weeks. Lee, known as Cindy Yang, who co-founded a company with her husband uh, that was advertising to help Chinese citizens and officials gain access to Mar-a-Lago and Trump and his regime and his family, uh, and as well had ties to the massage parlor associated with Robert Kraft. Anyway, this week on Tuesday, court documents revealed secret security agents arrested Yijing Zhang after she bypassed a security checkpoint and gained access to the reception area of Mar-a-Lago on Saturday. Zhang is Chinese and was carrying two passports, four cell phones, a laptop, and a thumb drive containing malicious software. She told security officials she was going to the swimming pool, although she was not carrying a swimsuit. Zhang was approached by a receptionist and asked why she was there. She claimed she was going to a United Nations Chinese American Association event later that evening. The receptionist knew the event did not exist. She was charged with two federal crimes, making false statements to a federal officer and entering restricted property. The court filing did not provide additional information about the malware. On Tuesday, the Miami Herald, who has done some outstanding reporting recently on a number of topics, reported the event Zhang was allegedly heading to was advertised by, again, this Chinese language social media uh, company co-owned by by Cindy Yang, whose business advertises to access to Trump and his family. Although the event Zhang said she was attending did not exist, it was one of two advertised and promoted that day by Yang's business. Yang is not mentioned in the court filing, however. NBC News reported that Trump was golfing at this time when when the when the person uh, the Chinese citizen trespassed and was not at Mar-a-Lago. However, First Lady Melania Trump and other members of the Trump family were at Mar-a-Lago at that time. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported that each weekend at Mar-a-Lago, which is a money-making operation for Trump, hundreds of members, overnight guests, and party-going strangers attend and need to be screened. 
In order to protect Trump, secret security is required to screen every visitor against pre-approved lists. For his business, however, Trump requires Secret Service to defer to Mar-a-Lago staffers about allowing in visitors not on the lists. Even when Trump is at the property, visitors describe times when names were not on the pre-approved list, but Mar-a-Lago security personnel made exceptions if they knew the guest or found another staffer to vouch for them. That's unsafe. On Wednesday, Senate leaders Chuck Schumer, Dianne Feinstein, and Mark Warner asked FBI Director Ray to investigate whether foreign spies could, could exploit weaknesses at Mar-a-Lago to steal classified information. Now getting back to some of the investigations going on with the House. On Wednesday, House Oversight Committee Chair Cummings told reporters that Mazars USA, which is Trump's tax and accounting firm, has asked for a so-called friendly subpoena so it can comply with the panel's requests. On Wednesday, House Ways and Means Committee Chair Richard Neal formerly requested in a letter to the IRS Commissioner that the IRS hand over six years of Trump's personal and business tax returns. Representative Neal invoked a little-known provision in the federal tax code granted during the Warren during Warren Harding's administration to only tax writing committees, which say very plainly, the Treasury Secretary shall furnish the information. On Wednesday at an event at the White House, Trump repeated the excuse for not releasing his returns that he used during the campaign, telling reporters, we are under audit. I'm always under audit. On Thursday, the New York Times reported on February 5th, Trump pushed Leader McConnell to confirm Michael Desmond, his nominee to be chief counsel of the IRS, before putting forward the confirmation of William Barr. McConnell proceeded with Barr first, but Desmond was confirmed on February 27th. In private practice, Desmond worked alongside William Nelson and Sherry Dillon, tax counsels to the Trump Organization. When asked Thursday by reporters if he would direct the IRS not to disclose his tax returns, Trump demurred, saying, quote, they'll speak to my lawyers, adding, they'll speak to the Attorney General. On Thursday, the top federal ethics watchdog declined to certify Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin's 2018 financial disclosure report, which in normal times would be like huge news, but no one even paid attention to because... Ten things like this happen every day in the era of Trump. The top uh, federal ethics watchdog cited the sale of a stake in a film production company to his wife, not complying with ethics rules. Then the next day on Friday, Politico reported Muchin is losing two of his most trusted aides, his chief of staff, Eli Miller and Tony Segeth, Segeth, the top communications official. Uh, both are resigning as the agency faces pressure over Trump's tax returns. On Friday, Trump's personal lawyer, William Consovoy, asserted Trump's right as a private citizen and told the Treasury Department in a letter not to turn over Trump's tax returns to House Democrats. Consovoy said Representative Neal's request did not have a, quote, legitimate committee purpose and, quote, is a transparent effort by one political party to harass an official from the other party because they dislike his politics and speech. The IRS and Treasury Department have given no indication of how they will respond to the House request, 
Representative Neal gave the IRS until next week to comply. But given how Trump has stacked the IRS and pushed through, as we talked about, uh, his appointee through the Senate um, for both committees, we can sort of see this train wreck coming in slow motion, as they often do. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported House Intelligence Committee has asked Stephanie Winston Wolkoff, remember her? She's a close friend of First Lady Millennia Trump and a top contractor to Trump's inaugural for documents related to the event. It turns out, according to her lawyers, she has been cooperating with prosecutors in the Southern District of New York since last fall. She also received a subpoena from the federal prosecutors, which means she probably didn't cooperate initially. Okay, now we're getting into the meat of this week, as if there wasn't already enough meat that we've discussed. And that's why we're all exhausted, folks. There's so much happening. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported some members of Mueller's team say the Mueller report was more damaging to Trump than Barr revealed in his letter. Our media finally has it right. It's a Barr letter. It's not a summary. It's not the Mueller report. It's a four-page letter. (laughs) The team included 19 lawyers, 40 FBI agents, and other personnel. So we don't know who within these committees is talking, but that was the original staff. Some are also concerned that because of Barr's portrayal in his letter and how it shaped the narrative, that Americans' view will have hardened before the investigation's conclusions become public. The special counsel investigation had written multiple summaries as part of their report, which some felt Barr should have released along with his letter. Officials speaking for Barr told the New York Times that he was trying to keep with Justice Department practices not to disclose derogatory details in closing an investigation, pointing to Comey's treatment of Hillary Clinton. Uh, In other words, they were trying to bury this so we would see none of it since they decided unilaterally that they were not going to pursue criminal charges against Trump. This whole thing stinks. But there was more. That was the New York Times reporting. Then Wednesday, the Washington Post reported members of Mueller's team have complained to close associates that evidence they gathered on obstruction was alarming and significant. Some members were upset Barr did not release summary information that the special counsel team prepared. The members said summaries of different sections of the report were prepared for public view. One official said they assumed their summaries would be made public, quote, and so they prepared their summaries to be shared in their own words and not in the attorney general's summary of their work. So they're really speaking out against Barr. On Wednesday, Rudy Giuliani told Fox News host Laura Ingram that Mueller's team was biased. Oh, now, th- now they don't like Mueller's team, saying, quote, they are a bunch of sneaky, unethical leakers, and adding, and they are rabid Democrats who hate Trump. On Thursday, when asked about the New York Times report, Press Secretary Sanders told Fox and Friends that Democrats are a, quote, sad excuse for a political party, and, quote, nothing but sore losers who are getting beat by Trump. On Thursday, in response to the New York Times and Washington Post stories, the Justice Department released a statement saying it was concerned about illegally releasing grand jury information, which is confidential, and trying to explain their actions. The statement said Barr, quote, decided to release the report's bottom line findings and his conclusion immediately without attempting to summarize the report, which is different than what he said initially, which is his four-page letter was a summary of the report. 
Shortly after, Trump tweeted, quote, the New York Times had no legitimate sources, adding, quote, in fact, they probably had no sources at all. They are a fake newspaper. Trump also falsely claimed in a tweet that the New York Times, quote, has already been forced to apologize for their incorrect and very bad reporting on me. Trump also tweeted Democrats are subjecting him to, quote, the highest level of presidential harassment in the nation's history, adding there is nothing that we can ever give to the Democrats that will make them happy. Trump also tweeted, quote, few people seem to care about the Russian collusion hoax, but that, quote, some Democrats are fighting hard to keep the witch hunt alive and calling it, quote, ridiculous collusion, delusion, and so illegal. On Thursday, NBC News reported, according to an official who has spoken to Mueller's team, the evidence on obstruction of justice is compelling, and the report includes more information than has been made public. Mueller's team members also said the report included detailed accounts of the Trump campaign's contact with Russia, revealing campaign members were manipulated by a sophisticated Russian intelligence operation. So that's reporting by NBC News talking about Russia. And again, I questioned on Twitter, manipulated versus colluded. All it means is that they were puppets as opposed to cooperating puppets. On Thursday, Speaker Pelosi told reporters, quote, people on the Mueller team think there's a mischaracterization by the attorney general, adding, I don't know, there is an easy answer. Release the Mueller report. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. On Thursday, Representative Nadler sent in a letter to Barr requesting the public release of the summaries. Now we know, thanks to reporting, that the Mueller team actually wrote summaries they thought were going to go public as their report was given to Barr. So Barr has called for the release of the summaries prepared by Mueller's team and all communications between the Department of Justice and Mueller's office about the Mueller report. On Thursday, Senator Rand Paul blocked a resolution calling for the public release of the Mueller probe from coming to the Senate floor for the vote. This marks the fourth time Republicans have blocked the vote. We talked about two weeks ago, Lindsey Graham blocked it, and then last week, Mitch McConnell blocked it twice. On Friday, Trump quoted an op-ed by Fox News business host Lou Dobbs saying Democrats have invented a cover-up, tweeting, quote, trolling the Mueller report. Democrats lost on collusion. Now they're inventing a cover-up. On Friday, the DOJ responded to the Electronic Privacy Information Center lawsuit to make the Mueller's report public. That was the first lawsuit filed by this watchdog group within hours after the report was given to the AG. They refused to supply it, saying it circumvented the ordinary process of Barr's planned release. And here we are, folks, two weeks after, plus uh, the time that Barr has had this report and it still has not been released. On other topics, on Thursday, Axios reported Trump is expected to name, here's a blast from the past, Herman Cain uh, on the Federal Reserve Board. Cain, the CEO of Godfather's Pizza, ran for president in 2012, but withdrew over sexual harassment allegations. So he'll fit right in. Trump has told confidants he views his selection of, of Jerome Powell as Fed chair as one of his worst mistakes, saying Powell has, quote, no feel for the markets and comparing him to a golfer who cannot putt. 
Guardian reported that Trump's other pick, Stephen Moore, was held in contempt of court in November 2012 for failing to pay his ex-wife over $300,000 in money owed under a divorce settlement. So the stories keep coming on Stephen Moore. And then this is kind of an interesting story. Remember the um, private pictures of, of Jeff Bezos' uh, alleged affair were leaked by the National Enquirer. Gavin DeBecker, an, investigation, an investigator for Bezos, said in an op-ed this week that Saudi Arabia had gained access to Bezos's private information before the National Enquirer made information on, it, on his extramarital relationship public. So just keep an eye on that story about Saudi Arabia. On Thursday, the House joined the Senate voting 247 to 175 to pass a measure to end U.S. involvement in Yemen, denouncing a Saudi-led bombing campaign that has been blamed for humanitarian crisis in the region. A measure marks the first time both chambers of Congress have voted to invoke war power resolutions to end military engagement in a foreign conflict. Trump is expected to veto the measure. I just want to say this again. This marks the first time both chambers of Congress have voted to invoke the War Powers Resolution to end U.S. military engagement. So another rebuke to Trump, but also Saudi Arabia, who Trump seems to be quiet or defending. On Friday, Saudi Arabia arrested two more U.S. citizens who are activists. The move puts additional pressure on Trump as he decides whether to side with Congress or veto their measure. On Thursday, Speaker Pelosi announced the House will file a lawsuit challenging Trump's declaring a national emergency at our southern border, saying we will, quote, defend our democracy and our Constitution. Speaker Pelosi said in a statement, quote, the president's action clearly violates the appropriations clause by stealing from appropriating funds, an action that was not authorized by constitutional or statutory authority. We've been talking about that, that Trump is putting funds over for his wall without having the approval of Congress, and that's their job to appropriate funds. On Thursday, CBS News reported the Homestead facility, and, and let's keep an eye on the story, folks. Very little reporting. I'm kind of piecing together multiple stories to give you a little clue on what's going on here. On Thursday, CBS News reported the Homestead facility, remember that name, in Miami, the largest shelter for unaccompanied minors, is rapidly adding more than 850 beds to a massive facility that currently houses more than 2,300 teens. Under the Flores Settlement, unaccompanied minors are required to be housed in non-secure facilities, meaning they can come and go. But Homestead has tall fencing. Senator Jeff Merkley described Homestead as, quote, a massive prison for migrant children. This is starting to sound like internment camps or concentration camps. On Thursday, the Miami Herald reported that White House Chief of Staff John Kelly was spotted at the Homestead shelter. Homestead, run by Calburn International, is the only for-profit detention center in the country. Calburn was formed after a company purchased by DC Capital Partners, where Kelly was employed as a lobbyist. So keep an eye on the story, folks. Again, the only for-profit detention center in the country housing now 3,200 unaccompanied minors under conditions that may be in violation of the Flores settlement. On Friday, Trump withdrew his nominee 
for the director of ICE, Ronald Vitelli, a 30-year veteran of the U.S. Border Patrol who serves as a top official at ICE, saying he wants someone, quote, tougher to lead the agency. The Washington Post reported Trump's decision to suddenly dump Vitelli caught Department of Homeland Security and lawmakers by surprise, with some mistaking it for a clerical error. He would have been Trump's first Senate-confirmed director of ICE. Vitelli was supposed to join Trump on his trip Friday to the Mexican border, but was his name was left off the list last minute. Reportedly, Trump had heard complaints about Vitelli from Stephen Miller and ICE union boss Chris Kane and others. Six officials said Trump's decision was a sign of Stephen Miller's increasing power. Reportedly, Trump told Miller he would be in charge of all immigration and border affairs and would have a say in Trump's third ICE nominee. On Friday, speaking to reporters before boarding his plane, Trump called on Congress to, quote, get rid of the whole asylum system because it doesn't work. And for a second time this week, Trump also said we should get rid of judges. Those are the immigration judges. Two times. Not to be outdone by himself on Friday, before he left, Trump again attacked the media, tweeting, quote, they can't stand the fact that his regime has done more than, quote, virtually any other administration, and then added, they are truly the, in capital letters, enemy of the people. On Friday, Trump traveled to the border of Mexico in Calexico, California, to participate in a roundtable on immigration and border security. Trump claimed migrants are straining the system, adding, quote, our country is full. I don't know exactly what that means, but who knows? Trump also defended his national emergency, saying, quote, there is indeed an emergency at our southern border adding it's a colossal surge and it's overwhelming our immigration system. We can't take you anymore. Uh, In a ceremonial gesture, Trump was presented with a piece of a future border wall. In his time in office, Trump has not yet added any new fencing or barrier anywhere on the southern border, however. Trump also complained about the buildup of migrants at the border, saying Judge Flores Whoever you may be, that decision is a disaster for our country. Flores was, however, a teenage migrant from El Salvador, whose case was the one that heralded the Flores settlement that is actually what we're talking about. It's not a judge. Ahead of Trump's visit, protesters flew a baby blimp Trump, the 20-foot-tall inflatable balloon of Trump wearing a diaper and holding a cell phone, which has appeared across the United States and some places around the world. On Friday, in a letter to 40 immigration and civil rights groups, excuse me, on Friday, in a letter, 41 immigration and civil rights groups urged Fortune 500 CEOs to blacklist Trump's aides who were involved in planning, carrying out, and defending the regime's family separation policies. On Friday, the State Department revoked the entry visa for Fatou Ben Soda, the prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, who was investigating possible war crimes by the American forces in Afghanistan. So that's he's done a number of things like this, our State Department, to take away any American accountability anywhere around the world for our actions on human rights. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported that despite Trump's claim that our country is full, 
Department of Homeland Security and Labor Departments plan to grant an additional 30,000 H-2B visas this summer, doubling the number they had planned to give out. H-2B visas allow foreigners to come to the U.S. for several months to work at companies such as landscaping, amusement parks, or hotels. Last year, about 80% of these visas went to people from Mexico and Central America. So apparently we're not so full after all. On Thursday, Michael Cohen's attorney said in a letter to Democrats in Congress that Cohen had discovered substantial files on a hard drive that he is working through and will provide in exchange for staying out of jail. On Friday, when asked to respond on Cohen, Trump replied, quote, he's old news. He lied numerous times during his last testimony. They've had nothing for months. On Friday, Cohen's attorney publicly released the memo provided to House Democrats Thursday, uh, citing, quote, Trump's involvement in the conspiracy to collude with the Russian government intervention in the 2016 campaign. So that could be interesting. On Thursday, and, and don't forget, there's a different burden of proof between what the Mueller report would have had to have been able to charge, which was a crime, uh, versus what Congress can look at, which is whether it's an impeachable event, offense. On Thursday, Trump told the Washington Times when asked for a reaction to former First Lady Barbara Bush's quotes last week, he replied, quote, I have heard that she was nasty to me but she should be. Look what I did to her sons. On Friday, Roger Stone and his so-called gag order defended Trump in an Instagram post calling Barbara Bush nasty, rude, vindictive, entitled, self-important, and adding, that's a woman I had very unpleasant encounters with. Imagine that Roger Stone had unpleasant encounters with a woman. Like, who hasn't? <laughs> Roger Stone, who's bad uh, out of all the women had unpleasant encounters with. But just interesting, I don't know, does that sound like a pardon me? Like I want my pardon kind of post and why isn't he being gagged with his gag order? Because it sounds like a request for a pardon. On Friday, police were stationed outside the Ecuador embassy in London following tweets from a WikiLeaks account that said Julian Assange could be kicked out of the building within hours to days. British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt said Assange is a free man and can leave the embassy whenever he chooses. Police said there is an active warrant for Assange's request, arrest that they are obliged to execute if he leaves. On Friday, Trump said for the third time in three years, he will not attend the White House Correspondents' Dinner, calling it boring and negative. Instead, he will hold a rally that night. On Friday, Commerce Bank of Ivanovo, a Russian bank in North Carolina, which was 80% owned by former Congressman Charles Taylor, lost its license over repeatedly breaking anti-money laundering regulations. I don't know. Just thought I'd add that in. Strange story about Russia and money laundering through banks. Who knows? <sighs> and then finally, we closed out Saturday with Trump tweeting, quote, I have not read the Mueller report yet, even though I have every right to do so, adding, only know the conclusions and on the big one, no collusion. Trump also tweeted, our great AG who found no obstruction, adding 13 angry Trump-hating Democrats, later brought to 18, spent two years and 30 million, found no collusion, no obstruction. Again, false statement. So another exhausting week in America, folks, but a lot of action with House Democrats, and we still are awaiting 
the Mueller report and hoping that it doesn't show up with a bunch of highlighted out marks that are just basically an entirely redacted report, which is what many of us are actually expecting at this point. But we'll keep fighting and keep resisting. Until next week, have a good one.